Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Oi, you want a stamp? Look, look, I know that you haven't needed a stamp for about a decade, but if you did, what are you gonna do? Well, Go to stamps.com and like get a stamp. Well, you're gonna need a printer. I know you don't have a printer. I know inks are horror to buy, but like get those things. And then if you ever need a stamp, you can print off one and then you put that on your letter. And then you're gonna need to find a post box as well. But just just go just get some stamps. Stamps are good. Hello and welcome to <laughs> a, a Rational Fear, uh, episode 21. Uh, you are with the Fear Mongers today, James Colley. Hello. Lewis Holler. G'day. And my name is Dan Illick and this is the show where we go through what made us scared this week, or rather what the media has made us scared this week. Uh, James, let's kick off with you with the biggest story of the week. What uh, has the media made you scared of this week? Well, the constant change in our government. Uh, it seems like we have an entirely new Prime Minister for the fifth time this week, <laughs> to yep. my knowledge. Uh, so Tony Abbott is gone, Malcolm Turnbull is in. So as we went through, Turnbull rocked up to the podium at about 4pm on Monday and went, you know what, I could go with being leader. That would be pretty good. His speech was mostly, if, if the uh, leadership spill had failed, his speech was mostly what Labour's attack ads would have been at the next election anyway. <laughs> right, right. So it was nicely pre-written for them. One of the favourite, one of my favourite things, and I noticed you noticed on Facebook as well, but one of my favourite things about that speech was like that he opened it and closed it with, hi everyone, we know it's a very late night. I think we should all get to bed. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I really love this. And I thought this is the very definition of the nanny state. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second, the, the second. The au pair state. <laughs> the au pair state. Callan, you should all get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. <laughs> Nation. It's, it's the first time we really saw the grown-ups in charge, and the grown-ups institute bedtime for everyone else. <laughs> my favourite bit good about... Good sleep starts today. <laughs> I, my favourite bit about the Turnbull takeover was the next morning on his very first press conference when they were like, how are you feeling, Malcolm? Is it a dream come true? And he was like, look, I'm humbled. 
But you know what? I'm surprised. <laughs> and you're like, you have been planning this for six years. This is the least surprise a human has ever been in their entire life. He, Who thought I would pull this off? <laughs> yeah. He really had a lot of cracks at it too. Like mm. really, really plotting Thick and fast. It was wonderful to see. Like, when you're watching the ABC and Sky News' rolling coverage of empty corridors, it was really impressive to see them walking through with Turnbull in front and Wyatt Roy by his side, <laughs> looking like a bring-your-son-to-work day. <laughs> and, like, then a couple of days later, we get shots of uh, Malcolm Turnbull's grandkids, and it's not unlike Wyatt Roy. <laughs> so I kind of understand the affection there. Wyatt Roy's suit was, uh, was flashy. Like he yeah. looked like he, well, was, he was heading straight from the year ten formal. Yeah, <laughs> he totally looked like he was going to week twenty first at the Gold Coast, and someone had been like, "Mate, there's a spill on." It was that moment though, and uh, that that moment really put me on edge um, because uh, you know I, I, I was you know quite happy to see Abbott leave. Oh, oh uh, there uh, ABC! There, oh, there, <laughs> lucky, lucky, we're not on the ABC. Um, but uh, but at the same time, seeing Malcolm Turnbull walk down the hallway with like three people behind mm. him, and then. Then that split moment later having and sorry Julie Bishop walking on her own that was really funny it was just like oh Bishop you you look a little unsettled she looks like she's placed a bet the wrong bet she looks like she's like spent like far too much money on a car that mm. is going to fall apart the next uh, 30 seconds there's, there's one truly beautiful photo of Christopher Pine walking towards the party room and he's like he's quite solemn but the shot has caught him in the middle of this beautiful marble floor and he's got one foot up and he's looking at his own feet he's in a very nicely uh, tailored suit and it just looks like he's about to bust the greatest dance move of this decade <laughs> that he's just going to rip loose and go risky business all the way <laughs> across Parliament House. I Do the pine cone. <laughs> Do the pine cone. I can't believe how quickly we've adapted to spill culture. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, it kind of, well, it kind of makes sense. We all know the lexicon. We all know the rules now. I, I think they, they should just... And I, I tweeted Mark Scott and I said, Mark, can you make this a regular event for the ABC? <laughs> yeah, just I do think it, it every does, Friday. It does really well for the ratings. It's basically real-life Survivor. But we've gotten so... like it, This is like... We're recording this four days after it happened. It could have been six months. Like, it's settled in, we're, we're done, we've forgotten who Tony, whatever his name was, used to be here. The coverage is settled, yep. the polls have settled, everyone's just like, I, we're yep, so cool. chill about it. We have a Prime Minister that looks and talks like a Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah. That's like, to dwell for a second on the end of Abbott's reign. There was uh, the two incredible moments of coverage here. Firstly, it was that the last thing we heard him say as Prime Minister of our country was, by God, as a country, we are better than this. <laughs> yeah, mate. Like, that's kind of the point of this meeting tonight. <laughs> and, and then we had the next day... The like the media coverage of like the white bronco essentially like the fucking the, the like flyby helicopter coverage of has anyone seen our prime minister because he hasn't resigned yet to our knowledge and we really need him to just show up and just sign a couple of things and then we find out he sends a fax and <laughs> Peter Dutton sends a text just to be like 
B, uh, BT dubs not coming into work anymore kind of kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Tony Abbott's idea where there was like, I'm going to use the most oldest out-of-date technology to do this just to be a pain in the ass because no one's checked it's the It's not the Vatican. Machine. Like The Vatican is still doing smoke signals. Yeah. He's slightly better than the but I, like, I just like the idea that the Governor General has his fax machine in a like a in a bedroom that no one ever uses ever anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter Crosgrove's bloody pager went off and he told him <laughs> so he had to race it. It would have had to be a call from Peter Credlin to tell him to plug in the fax machine because Tony wants to get Jesse can hold on to the Prime Ministership just another, you know, five minutes. Yeah, but I, I must admit, when that when that when I first heard that Tony Abbott had gone missing, I was like, <laughs> funny. And then when I after about half an hour I went, ooh. Could this not be funny? Yeah, this like, could, could go this real dark. Turn into a really not funny situation. I have, uh, you know, and he, with his, it's not even a concession speech because there wasn't. It's <laughs> there was no like. Is it a concession speech? It's an exit speech, right? It was a. It was a. It was a mic drop. Concession <laughs> is the wrong word, isn't it? Like conce- it was a bonus track. It shows up like <laughs> after, after the album. There's a gap, and there's just and by the way, <laughs> and just like it. Uh, Getting into a bonus track, there were heaps of long pauses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the concession, you're in the concession speech. I watched it, I, uh, and I honestly felt, as someone who had lost their job recently, <laughs> really upset for the guy. I was just mm. like, "Your, your, your fate. This is the most emotion we've ever seen you." Yeah, like so was I though. Right up until the moment, it was like, "By the way, the media." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh really. Because it seemed to help you once. Yeah. Well, let's not forget he did stop the boats. And, uh, <laughs> that's true. Like, we would be all overrun by boats right now. I think that was, I think that's part of his problem, you know. He came in on a single, on a single three-word platform, and he did it. He did it too fast. The problem mm. was, he was too successful at stopping the boats, because he stopped them in the first ten minutes. Yeah. And he, he should have let like, the odd boat through. We haven't stopped the boats yet, but <laughs> we're, we're going to get to it uh, in the next term. Uh, so you're going to have to Get me around to, for that. Just had to step it up. Just offer to drain the ocean. <laughs> like, you know what? Let's let's really stop them. Yeah, or stop other forms of transport. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to stop uh, the trains. <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised that Malcolm Turnbull's become prime minister. From a very young age, he's always wanted to be, you know, higher than his station. Uh, I don't know if you have heard this clip. Um, this is from 1988 from SBS. He's got some very interesting heroes. The uh, so you've been. In a hurry, as the newspapers would say, and you've yeah. done a lot of several things. Can you can you say? I mean, what motivates that? What is it? it just high spirits, high energy? Well, I don't think so. I mean, I suppose it's it's you know a reasonable amount of energy. But I mean, I you compare yourself to people who I think are real achievers. I mean, you look at a fellow like Christopher Scase, who's presiding over a vast television and property empire. Mm. And uh, he, what he's, what's he, 39 or 40 or something like that. So, you know, I don't think that um, my achievements, such as they are, are all that uh, remarkable. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a hero. Well, um, <laughs> he also hopes to retire to Spain at some point. <laughs> <laughs> president of Spain, future president of Spain, uh, Malcolm Turnbull. That is a horrifying future that we've just got ourselves into. <laughs> this Christopher oh Scase loving. That is mental. I don't even know what to say to that. I, I think it's a kind of beautiful symmetry that one day he would usurp someone who then took to fleeing to solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a privilege right now on the show to have someone who was actually there live in the thick of it in Canberra. It's Shlila Medora, who's the political reporter for The Guardian Australia, who spends all her time, I guess, uh, waiting for politicians uh, to do something like what happened on Monday night. Shalila, welcome to Irrational Fear. Thank you very much. I haven't had to wait very long in the last few years, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, has it been a bit of a race to, um, like, clean up the leaks that are coming to you guys? <laughs> um, I, I don't know how many leaks have been coming to us, but, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's um, there's definitely been a few leaks here and there that the governments of all persuasions have really had to work on in the last few years, that's for sure. In you, From your perspective, Shy, because this is part of your job and you've been through four of these now, <laughs> like yeah. what does it mean when when it's when it's actually on, what does it actually yeah, mean is, for you? Is there a little like glass cabinet that you elbow and you pull out the suitcase <laughs> that's pre-prepared for the spill pack? It's it's like more of an emergency lever. Like you break the glass and you pull the lever, and everyone like springs into action. So um, look, it's kind of weird. Like when you've um, been around. Um, Parliament House for a little while, you start picking up these kind of subtle cues. It's not even like you can point your finger on anything. It's like it's like Marbo. It's like the vibe. You can really get this massive kind of like sense, this crackle in the air. And for us, like we knew it was on, hashtag it's on, when um, when we got a statement from uh, Malcolm Turnbull just before 4 o'clock and the statement said or the press release um, kind of said, um, Malcolm Turnbull will make a statement to reporters at 4pm. And that's all it said. It didn't say what it was about. It just said it'll, he'll make a statement. So for people who might not be initiated to what that means, first of all, it didn't say what it was about. Second of all, it didn't say it was a press conference. It said it was a statement to reporters. So we were like, oh, my God, it's it. This is it. And everyone's, like, running around going, okay, it's happening. We kind of literally did spring into action at that point point because we knew that something massive was going to happen just just from that like one line statement malcolm on the mic and everyone has to jump too (laughs) because it's coming yeah and actually like unlike so like you said i have been through four spills um two kevin rudd slash julie gillard ones and two abbott ones. do you have a favorite (laughs) (laughs) you you can't go past your first time The first time was the best. Um, that was uh, the Simon Cream self-exploding. Oh, time. that was so that gorgeous. was pretty exciting. And in that case, with Labor, like it really was just like this weird, like every man and his dog was talking to the media, and we were just pouncing on any single um, no-name backbencher from Labor and talking to them, and it was really fever pitch. Whereas with this one, it was really like low-key and. Um, like all the all the coalition MPs really went to ground for a little while. Apart from the leaks, those like anonymous leaks that they were making, like mm. they, no one was really talking on camera or speaking to reporters on Monday. So it was kind of this weird thing. And even we were like, "Oh, it might happen. It might not happen." Yeah. But it wasn't until we got that um, that that alert from Turnbull's office that we went, "Oh my god, it's actually happening!" <laughs> I think it's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah. You guys are like um, uh, beagles that can smell blood, uh, <laughs> sharks yeah. in the water. Yeah, you you can really yeah. smell the it's fear. Scott Morrison's emotions control the weather around him. <laughs> <laughs> Shy, um, you know, you said the first time is the best time. How how do you know you've and you've had some years in the press gallery now? Um, how do young journalists kind of uh, experience it the first time? What what is that like? for a first-time press gallery journalist? It is just 
It's so exciting for young journalists. Like it's really just this amazing experience when you're when you're the newbie because a lot of the times you you don't pick up those subtle cues. So you'll get that press press release and you'll be like, eh, he might be talking about the NBN. What do I know? And then it all just kind of erupts and you don't pick up all of those kind of subtle things. So. Um, so yeah, it is really exciting, and this time around there are a lot. There are a lot of really young new journos in the press gallery at the moment, and you can see them in the live shots. You know, like when Sky or Twenty Four cuts to anything's going to happen there in the meeting room now, and you see all these journos like standing around, holding their phones, tweeting like, "Oh, the security guard went past. Could this mean something?" And, you know, it's, it's it's all super exciting Did for everyone. Fall down and in front of the really prime minister because it's quite contagious. So, yeah. Right. So it's just like um, kind of herding puppy dogs, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I had this weird thing because uh, I do a radio show, Shalila, and we were on air when the spill happened. And our political reporter was um, in camera, gave us a call. She's like, hey, we've just got this um, press release. The, don't worry. The press release said nothing. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing she, is going on. She was very clear. She's like, it's happening. It's on. Give me a few minutes and I'll be, be back to you. And the, uh, our station manager ran in and he was like, I just heard it's going to be on. Are you guys going to be okay? And like we've only been doing radio a few years. And we're like, yeah, this is our third spill. <laughs> <laughs> Shai, how are you feeling now? Like this has been a big week. This is kind of the, probably the biggest week in, in political news this year. How does it make, you know, what, what is the process for you throughout the week and how do you feel right now? Um tired I think is probably the best way of describing it pretty exhausting like it's it's always a big week for all the journos and you get through it just on pure adrenaline like on on Monday I worked from 7 a.m to 11 p.m and I wasn't the last person in my office to leave like one of my colleagues left it was just you and Peter Credlin uh from what I (laughs) I could tell yeah except she was printing out all this stuff and shredding it whereas (laughs) it's funny you're not the only one who won't leave their office it's been four days tony still hasn't left his so yeah well look it's pretty yeah there's that whole thing of where the hell is tony but um apart from that yeah pretty tiring but you get through it and you just kind of think okay what's the next logical step so when a spill happens and when that statement came out from turnbull you think okay Great. So it's on. We need to. We need to call people. We need to see what they're saying. We need to try and like try and get a sense of numbers. And you know, um, one by one after that, after Turnbull made his statement saying he's challenging, one by one, all the Abbott supporters came out yeah. and they sounded pretty confident. So we were like, okay, so maybe the numbers are closer than we think they're going to be. So you just have to think like one step ahead of what's happening. So when um, Turnbull, when um, the whip came out and said, you know, Turnbull's one. We thought, okay, what's the next step? Okay, we've got to think about Tony Abbott. What's he going to do? We've got to, like, yeah. write up his political um, legacy, like a eulogy, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. You've got to try and keep like, one step ahead. Fast. I know Four Corners have been working up one already, uh, but they were going to release it in about three weeks' time, but now they have to rush it to air <laughs> for Monday it's night. It's so funny that... It's so funny that you say that because that morning, so that Monday, Sunday there'd been um, a story I think in the telly about how everyone's gearing up for leadership and I walked in at 7am, I was on early shift, so I walked in at 7am and I was with um, 
a journo from the ABC in the lift and we're like, oh, here we go again. It's all starting up. And she said, yeah, my boss called called me yesterday and she said, I think it's time we dust off the um, – the, like the you know the political um, looking back on Tony Abbott's years and updating it updating it with what's happened since February. So she actually was doing that on Monday when the spill happened, just in case it happened. They went to it so, real yeah. fast too. Mm. It's never a good sign for your leadership if people are constantly updating your um, goodbye package. <laughs> I'd actually written Julia Gillard's months before um, Julia Gillard did leave. So, you know, we do kind of have these things in the back of our minds a little bit. Is it too soon to start on Malcolm's? I've already started on Scott Morrison's. I've already started writing his. (laughs) I've actually got Wyatt Roy's career in pencil. 2016. (laughs) Can I ask, before you head off, can you take a guess now how long it will be until the next spill? Until the next spill? Um, I think they're going to have to go to an election before they go to the next bill. So let's say Not even from 18 months after the next election. That seems <laughs> to be the time frame that we're working on at the moment. Yeah, it's 2015. Things are cutting, are getting a lot faster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Shalila, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. No worries. Thanks for having me. Today's Friday. It was a pretty interesting day this morning. Um, Ray Hadley got Scott Morrison on his radio program and tried to make him swear on a Bible that he wasn't one of the instigators for the leadership change. And then it caught fire as soon as it entered Scott Morrison's hand. (laughs) (laughs) And when the game was up. And it was really, I don't know, it's a 17-long-minute interview. And it, it sounds, it's really great to listen to. And it's basically Scott Morrison going... Look, relax. I didn't. I didn't do anything. Okay, and he's really slamming Ray Hadley. And Ray Hadley, by the end of it, uh, feels a little bit sheepish for trying to make him swear on a Bible. Well, so he should. Yeah. yeah. Like you know, like Ray Hadley only has a book like that in his office, so he can throw it at a guest. <laughs> what was one of the best things about it was like he was uh, Scott Morrison was in the Canberra bureau uh, and. And Ray's like down the line, going, "Yep, there's a book there. My people have put a book there. Can you see a book?" And he's like. No, I can't. I can't see a book anywhere. I've looked under the table. There's not a book here, mate. I can't see it a book. But I w- if there was one here, I is, wouldn't do it. It's is bloody. Ray- it's eat, pray, love. Changed my life. <laughs> is Ray Hadley just opening an improv school? Like, <laughs> yes, and Scott, there is a book in front of you. <laughs> one of the great things about the interview was uh, that Scomo was very. Uh, defensive, and he used the word "mate" about oh. nineteen times. I think it was eighteen. It was it was just over one per minute. Oh, here we go. Let's have a listen. I've counted them all. Minister, good morning. G'day, Ray. Well, mate. Um, well, mate. Well, mate, now I don't do that, mate. Bible. I don't have one, mate. To I mean, believe. mate, you judge my faith, mate. No, I don't have to swear on a Bible, mate. I didn't mislead you on Monday, mate. People know me, mate. There's not one there, mate. I, I'm not going to use my faith as a stunt, mate. No, no, it's mate. A it way is. Of... If you can't accept that, mate, hey, I'm not Bill you. Shorten, mate. No. So, mate, you know, I'm we're sorry. mates, mate. No, no, mate. No. Scott Morrison, the minister from our Canberra studio. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you count? I counted 18 there, but, you know, they were digging pretty quick. <laughs> also, if the Liberal slogan at the next election isn't, I'm not Bill Shorten, mate, they're doing something <laughs> Well, that's what they've been doing a lot the entire time. We are not the Labor Party. Yeah. Turns out we are very much like the Labor Party. I know. It couldn't have, like, Labor must have been waiting for this moment for so long. And for it to happen when people are going, oh, they're just like the Labor Party. And you look over and go, oh, no, they've got Bill Shorten. It couldn't be a less inspiring time. What, are the, what is Labor going to do? Is their next campaign slogan, we're not the Liberal Party? <laughs> you can't exactly have Bill Shorten walk out in front of a press conference and be like, 
I cannot believe they had a spill for their leadership. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless the next line is, and didn't invite me. Because obviously canning the by-election, which is now going to happen very soon. Happening today. Yeah, and uh, and I was reading, uh, well, I guess yesterday, <laughs> that um, given the Turnbull swing in the polls since, um, since he came in on canning, that the Labour Party were sending out Bill Shorten. Oh, good. <laughs> turn the polls around in canning. It is like, why? What do you expect him to do? What you need in canning is a mind disaster. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. a few blue-collar people stuck in a cage a few kilometres underneath a cafe. And that way, Bill Shorten has something to do. No, here's the plan. Here's how you get Shorten to completely win this election for them. You gather all the coalition voters in the area and you just get Shorten to put him to sleep. <laughs> Sam in the room have a lovely little nap. Election over, polls close, they win. Excellent. Sausage sizzle uh, over. See you later. Yeah. Poor, oh. Yeah. Lewis Hobart, mm. uh, what is the media making you scared of this week? Um, Muslims, as per usual. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a, that amazing story in Texas, a 14-year-old Muslim boy arrested for bringing his clock to school. If you have the internet, you will have seen it. His name's Ahmed Mohammed, which, you know, in Texas has got to be tough from the start. The only yeah. other person who could really get away with a name like that is someone like Barack Obama. I think yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> like, you know, that's really, it's a really tough name. Yeah, if you didn't hear the story, he's a 14-year-old boy, couldn't be more adorable, brought a uh, homemade clock that he'd made to his school to present to his teacher. His teacher thought the homemade clock was a bomb, called the police, the police came, arrested him, put him in handcuffs, and there was in this... handcuffs. I know, he's four. Like, if you've seen the boy, he reminds me of a young Muslim man. You know, I'm looking at this kid in glasses, weedy as hell. Like, even if that was the bomb, once he got the bomb away from him, he was not hurting anyone, this, no, this no. kid. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the great bit of the story is that since uh, since he was arrested, it's all sort of turned around. There's been huge outpouring of support from incredible people. Like, the White House are going to have him there. Pharrell Williams has put him in there. <laughs> uh, Questlove, Janelle Monae, Pharrell, like Talib Kweli, Chris Hadfield, Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, and Neo. <laughs> Who? Neo. Uh, you might know From him. From the as, Matrix? <laughs> no, a, a rap superstar. Collaborating with Pitbull, mm-hmm. the amount of people who have like jumped on board the I stand with Ahmed train. Like, <laughs> once you've got to the president, no one else cares. That's yeah. where he's going. Also, that like Facebook and Twitter jumped on, and there was a little element of, yeah, we'll have a fourteen-year-old work here. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've done worse from maybe the less for worse. Yeah, the thing was about it though, and it's very uh, it's very easy to laugh about it as three white guys in Australia. But when I first saw the image. I did think to myself, geez, that looks heaps like a bomb. That looks a lot like a... If I was going to make a prop for Mission Impossible 4 and it needed to look like a bomb in a briefcase with a clock in it, that's exactly how I would make it. But that is such a 1980s trope, though. Like, mm. no one, no real terrorist worth their salt today <laughs> wouldn't make a, would, would make a bomb in a briefcase yeah. with a big countdown uh, clock on it. No yeah. one would do also, that. Also, like... If you're if you're the teacher and you know you've got the kind of student who would bring a clock that they made themselves in from home, a science experiment they did on their own time to show you the teacher for approval, that ain't a threat. You <laughs> no. need to protect that kid's lunch money. That's <laughs> it. Like they're not a, they're not going to take anyone out. 
Maybe he made a second bomb for people who would take his lunch money. His, his biggest <laughs> problem, his biggest problem, bomb-like problem, is getting an atomic wedgie every <laughs> The biggest lesson here, though, is if you do want to get close to the president, build something that looks like a bomb but isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and once you're in, do what you will. <laughs> what a, um, a good friend of mine, James Little John, had an excellent observation of Obama's figure. Cool clock, Ahmed. Want to bring it to the White House? Don't bother. I'm the president. I can get any clock I want. <laughs> yeah, plus, I've seen it. It will not make it through security. That thing is a goddamn bomb. <laughs> and what's making me scared this week was uh, I saw a great article on news.com.au about North Korea. And this basically this was a bit of a trumped-up, fear-mongering sort of article that basically no. said... Yeah, no, from news.com.au, believe it or not. The, 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 the website that literally today predicted the apocalypse. <laughs> well, this is, what, this is what they've predicted today. They said, Australia is an easy target for a potential nuclear attack from North Korea. Are we an easy target for everything? This <laughs> is my point. This is where this fucking massive continent, we're an easy target for New Zealand to throw <laughs> sheep at us. You can't miss us. We're fucking huge. Like, of course we're an easy target. The only country that's easier is Russia, just basically on the size of the, of the continent. Yeah, it's like, North Korea's missile program has problems hitting the sea. That's right. If they want to aim for a country, start with the continent island. And this article went on to the expert in this article went on to say, look, to be honest, Australia isn't of any strategic significance. (laughs) Well, he's right. The only two kind of things that could probably maybe want to take out is maybe Pine Gap uh, uh, and Canberra. And quite frankly, both of those things, people would be pretty happy to to have demolished. But I can imagine the Australian like ego and mentality coming in and North Korea saying like, we could bomb you, but you're not really important enough. And I was being like, nah, come on. Yeah. No, actually, Try this yeah. Vegemite. If it was in the days, of, if, if we cast back to the days of the Tony Abbott Prime oh, Minister. Shady years. <laughs> that, you, could, you could just imagine him calling up King Jong-il going, uh, look, we'd really appreciate it if you would uh, make some threatening moves towards us. <laughs> that would be really good. That way we could posture a bit on the world stage. Do you have a death cult? <laughs> My favourite thing about the spill actually was... On uh, during Malcolm Turnbull's speech, once he'd just done the knifing, was that the first person that he referenced in the like these are the people that Australia could be more like was John Key from New yeah. Zealand, and I'm like, finally, we have a prime minister who recognises our insignificance on the global <laughs> scale. We are New Zealand. Let's stop pretending to be England. John John Key actually dropped the line today about saying like uh, about the leadership spill that he'd be happy to meet the new Prime Minister, but his new rule is Australian Prime Ministers need to wear name tags. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. But secondly, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Oh, oh, the John Key. Oh! (laughs) The the waitress hair puller. I saw you. Uh, I would like to see John Key run as an independent, just so there could be a key party. Uh, I think that would be great. Uh, Next week, what's going to be making you scared, James Colley? I am going to be forever fearful of the second spill as Wyatt Roy takes the throne away from Turnbull. Roy's our boy. Lewis Hobber, what's making you scared for next week? Uh, that of Bill Shorten's powerful canning spree. <laughs> when the people of Kenning rise up what? and take the nation. What will, what will happen when Shorten gets in? He pizzazzes to the left. He sizzles to the right. He hits them with the old Shorten one too, and he whips up a fury for the canning by-election. They won't want to vote for whoever's Labor's got running. They'll just want to get can- bloody Shorten in there. And I think I'm scared that there actually just might be another spill next week because, I, quite frankly... 
I don't have the time to spend on Twitter like I did this week. Come on, Albo, do it. <laughs> Albo, Albo, Albo. Souths haven't won this year, but you sure can. <laughs> this has been Irrational Fear 21. Hope you enjoyed it. Oh, what do we say? Uh, yeah, subscribe, like, share. Uh, leave no us- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.